A mother is a provider, making sure our stomachs are full, our clothes are warm, and our hearts are content. A mother is a protector, watching out for us, defending us, and always keeping our best in mind. A mother is a listener, patiently hearing our stories, our questions, our fears, and our dreams. A mother is a friend, caring for us, comforting us, laughing with us, and sharing with us all she has. A mother is a guide, walking us through the hills and valleys of life, showing us the way, even when the road is rocky and uncertain. A mother is a gift, God's way of saying, I see you, I love you, and I will be there for you. A mother is a hero who lays down her life for another, expecting nothing in return. And so from all of us, to all of you, thank you. Happy Mother's Day. We could almost stop there, couldn't we? I want to say, uh, as well as with many others who've already said so, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. And I hope you all enjoyed the breakfast. I did. And I want to thank all those who made that a success, particularly uh, TJ and Gary. Are you guys in the sanctuary? Stand up, TJ and Gary, if you guys don't. We, were, we typically bring in some biscuits and things, but these guys said, hey, do you mind if we cook? I said, absolutely not. Knock yourself out. And so they came in early this morning, and they cooked bacon and eggs and sausage and country ham, and if you missed it, shame on you. So, but hey, Mother's Father's Day's coming soon, so we set the bar high, so we're going to see what you're going to do for us. Um, if you did not, I told last week we're going to go to, start going to a bulletin rather than the outline. If you did not get a bulletin, raise your hand, and somebody will get you one. There's a place on it for, uh, for sermon notes, and um, you might have noticed that uh, Chris... Ferrara was, and I probably pronounced that last name wrong, I always do, but he was taking pictures. Uh, we have, we want to update this bulletin, and we also want to update our social media. And so Matt uh, Fisher, our praise and worship leader, pointed out that his son Jonathan is the one playing the keyboard. So this picture's a little old. Uh, not that we wouldn't mind having Jonathan coming back, but uh, so we're going to update this. So um, that's why you saw someone out taking pictures. I want to, uh, before I move into the, the message this morning, there is something else special happening this week with a special group of people who are particularly close to my heart. Um, most people don't know, but if you've watched the news, it's been announced on the news already that this week is what they call National Police Week. Uh, May 15th is National Peace Officers Memorial Day. They will have a, a service up in Washington, D.C. to honor the men and women of law enforcement who've given their life in service of their communities. 
Um, you don't have to watch much TV to know today that that profession is, un to me, unfairly under attack. And we've got several here this morning. I, I want to recognize the former sheriff of, of Durham, Mike Andrews, and his wife Pam are visiting with us this morning. Good to have you, Sheriff. Thank you for coming. And so, and we've got a lot of law enforcement officers here. So I'm going to ask every law enforcement officer that's ever served if you'll stand and just let us uh, recognize you and, and, and acknowledge you for your service. Along that line, you know that we support the District 2 substation here where our church is, and we, we give a, a gift card, you do, by your giving to the officer of the month in District 2. And in, in for the month of April, uh, I'm just going to summarize this. An officer, Brewington, responded to a, a suicidal female at the bridge here on 15501, threatening to jump over the bridge. He was able to talk with her. Uh, get her to come back to this side, but at the last minute she said, I'm going to do it. She went to jump and he grabbed her and pulled her back over onto the bridge. So that's what our men and women do for us out there, regardless of what sometimes people may say. So um, I just want to once again uh, thank all those who are here this morning who, who have served our communities. Mother's Day. It's said that the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. It's a true statement. It's a true statement. The mother is the one that initially shapes that young child. You know, when Sister Antoinette said, have you got a memory of your mother? And she gave the memory of her mother. I'm going to tell you the memory of my mother. All right, It's much different than Antoinette's. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She took care of our family. I loved my mother dearly. Uh, and she was just a, a wonderful mom. And I've got great memories of her. But my family, the men in our family, we have a tendency to pick a little bit. We like to pick and pick and pick and aggravate, Tammy would say. And we did my mom. She was in a house full of men. It was me, my brother, uh, my dad. And let me tell you, my mama was a gunslinger with a flip-flop and a shoe. Because <laughs> if you got to messing with her too much, you better start running because the shoe was coming. And she could throw a shoe like nobody had ever seen before. I run up many a time and just didn't make the corner before that shoe would hit the wall. And so I, when she said, what's the first memory of your mom? That's the first memory that came to mind of my mother was picking on her so much. And she finally said, I had enough of this with a shoe. So thank God for mothers. And that's what we're here to do is first we're here to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. We put him, exalt him in the highest place. But he's also told us to honor, give honor to honor to those who, whom honor is due. And we'll see later that the scripture tells us to honor our mothers and our fathers. And there's several mothers in the Bible that I could have chosen to highlight this morning to talk about. And the one that I have chosen, I don't think typically comes to mind too much when you think about a mom. And I'm not going to, I spoiled it. I gave a spoiler to our New Beginnings group uh, yesterday. We had a wonderful New Beginnings class, several, about, about 12 people, I think, went through the New Beginnings class ready to join the church. A large group of young people, many of them are here. Most of a lot of them are my family. It's just, a, it was a blessing. And it was some wonderful conversation. And I kind of gave them a spoiler so they can't raise their hand when the time comes. But uh, this mother, is, when you think about this mother, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. And the title of the message this morning is The King's Mother. And if I said, who is the king's mother, some of you Bible scholars may know who I'm talking about. But if you were like me before I studied this, you might say, I don't know who the king's mother is. And you might find that that mother is a little bit surprising by the name that I tell you that. 
But there are some other mothers in the Bible that, that I could have highlighted, and I've got four here that I just want to point out, and there's many others other than these. But these mothers show traits that still carry on today in mothers. I think we've been going through the book of Genesis in a series titled In the Beginning, and I think so many times we see these heroes of the Bible and we think there must have been something uniquely special about them. Well, there really wasn't. They weren't no different than we are. God called them, God used them in a supernatural way because they exercised faith and they believed in God. And, but they had the same struggles, the same worries, the same concerns, the same messed up lives that we have today. So there's many, many mothers, but the first mother that came to my mind when I was thinking about mothers was Eve. Eve. Eve is, that name means the mother of all living. The mother of all living. When we, when, looked at, when we studied the creation account, we saw that through mitochondrial DNA today, we can prove that every man and every woman can be traced back to one woman. Now, those outside who don't believe in this scripture, they'll tell you, well, but you can't prove that's Eve. That's true, we can't, but we know that it is because the Bible says it is, and we believe what the Bible says. But she was the first mother. She was the first one who would carry a child, who would give birth. And when I thought through that, I thought, you know, God in his infinite wisdom knew, I better make that the woman's responsibility because if I give that to the man, the human race will cease to exist. Because how many of you guys have you seen, did you see your children born? Anybody, anybody here see your children born? Do, would you want to go through that? I would not. I don't think, I, I think I'd be like, no, I don't think so. I don't think we'll have any more children. Both of our kids were born by cesarean section. And so when Hayden was born, our oldest one, I was in there and they had a, they had a sheet set up. And I was on the head side and Tammy had had an epidural, so she wasn't feeling any pain. And, but I could, I could see the body moving from the tugging and the pulling and I thought I wonder what's going on over there and so I took a moment to peek over that sheet and when I did I was like oh my goodness and I come back down and I was like everything's okay baby everything's fine everything's fine <laughs> I, I didn't look again it was pretty incredible but it was incredible to watch that to see it I'm just glad it wasn't me that it was happening to but I was a good supporter of her so God knew that it must be the woman who would give the birth and then there's Sarah. Sarah, recently we studied the life of Abraham extensively. And we, we, we saw how Abraham got a call from God. And he said, he told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your home. And I want you to go to a land I will show you. And how Abraham was obedient and followed. And he left his home and he left his family and he went. But so did Sarah. She went. She went with her husband. She too left her home. She too left her family. And so she is, was as much obedient to God and the call of God that was in her life as Abraham was. And I thought about this trait for today. The first person who came to mind, obviously, was Sister Carol. 54 years of, of being a pastor's wife. 54 years of being there with him in the ups and the downs of ministry, in the times of laughter and the times of crying. How she stood by him when things were good, when things weren't good. I think about Sister Christy with Brother Michael, young couple coming into the ministry and what they will face. Ministry folks dealing with people. I know you might find it surprising. It's hard. People have opinions. People can hurt you. 
but those wives stay in there with them. Whether it's a missionary, whether it's someone called to be an evangelist, those wives do what the Bible's called us to do, and that's to walk beside, to stand beside that husband and that husband beside that wife and, ch- and face the challenges of life together. Not just ministry. Many wives stand beside their husbands when they have a call in their lives for business or whatever it is and all the challenges of life. We see the trait of a faithful woman and a faithful wife in Sarah. And then there's Jochebed. There's Jochebed. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. Mother of Moses. And the Pharaoh in Egypt had said the Hebrew children are get becoming, Hebrew people are becoming too populous, they're becoming too strong, and he decided to stop that. So he ordered that all Hebrew male boys be thrown into the Nile River. But Jochebed took little Moses, she took her son, and she created, a, she created a little basket, and she covered it with tar. And the Bible says he, she put him down into the Nile. But she put him in there at just a time when he knew one of Pharaoh's daughters would be bathing downriver, and she pushed him. And, and Moses went down, and he, he came into the, the arms of this princess of Egypt. And she couldn't destroy this child, so she took the child as her own. And Miriam, Jochebed's sister, happened to be there. And she said, would you like for me to get a Hebrew woman to come and raise this child and nurse this child for you? And the Egyptian princess said, well, yes, I would. And she went and got Jochebed. And Jochebed was able to raise her own child. But she took her own life in her hands. If the Pharaoh would have found out what she had done, he would have had her killed immediately. But mothers are protectors. You don't poke mama bear. You might poke a lot of things, but you don't poke mama bear. I, uh, during the days of wrestling, when, when I was helping to coach wrestling, one thing I could tell you is that when a wrestler went down on the mat hurt, somebody had better be scanning the crowd for Mama Bear because she's coming. And you're not going to stop her. You're just going to have to guide her and let her know it's okay because she's coming. She's coming out of that crowd and she's coming onto the mat. Coach Schreiner shared a story with me several years ago that at the state tournament in Greensboro, that's held at the Greensboro Coliseum. And the whole first floor is nothing but wrestling mats, so there's no spectator seating there. And so everyone sits in the balcony. And a wrestler went down, and he was hurt, and they looked over. Mama Bear was not going to take the time to go out and walk down through those walkways. She's hanging over the balcony, hanging there. And some of the men are trying to hold her. And there's men up underneath her trying to help her where she don't get hurt. She was coming down, and she came down that way, and she made her way to that mat. Mothers are protectors. And then there's Mary. There's Mary, the 14-year-old little Jewish girl who God would highly favor to carry the Messiah. Here she is. She's 14. She's never known a man. She's pregnant. And the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, Mary, you're highly favored of God. And he tells her all these things, how she will bear the Messiah and how he will save his people from their sins. And this woman would have known Mary would have known the, 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 the scriptures. She would have known the Old Testament scriptures, certainly the Psalms. She would have known what her son was going to face. She would have known the suffering and the agony. And all this, Mary, the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. And I thought about that as Mary sat back. And I think about Tammy and many of you other mothers. How many times you've pondered what your children will face in life? What is going to happen to this child? Particularly today, I think, as our young mothers and what's going on out in our culture, what will they face? 
This morning, it was a blessing to me as we were worshiping to see young families here standing here, the mom, the dad, the small kids in the presence of God, worshiping God, thinking about the foundation that they need more than ever in that. But Mary pondered those things. I think what that meant, I think Mary worried a little bit. And I know sometimes as Christians we think, well, I don't worry about anything. The Bible says don't worry about anything but prayer and supplication. Make your request known to the Lord. And that just rolls out of our lips. But we still worry. We still worry about things. But we trust in God. And Mary trusted in God. So we see just from these mothers that women who give the birth, thank goodness, Sarah was a faithful to her husband, faithful to the call of her husband, a faithful wife. They're protectors. And they're also worry for their children. But this morning, I want to highlight a different mother. I said she's known as the king's mother. Does anybody here say know who I'm talking about? Not, not the people I told. Okay. The mother I want to highlight, who said it? Is Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Now, unfortunately, I think in our society today, and I was guilty of this, and I became convicted of it. When the name Bathsheba is mentioned to most of us who know the scriptures, we think, the adulteress? The lady who had committed adultery with David? Is that who? The king's wife? The king's mother? And I thought it's kind of sad that we still do that today. Because, yes, if you know Bathsheba's story, Bathsheba was bathing on top of her roof, which was common in that time, minding her own business. The king of Israel, David, goes up on his roof across the way a little bit. He looks over and sees her over there bathing. She's a beautiful woman. And rather than doing what David should have done and said, I better get off of this roof and get on back down, he called his men and said, bring Bathsheba over here to me. Next thing you know, there's an affair and there's a pregnancy. Well, David concocts a plan. Bathsheba is also married. She's married to one of David's mighty men. His name is Uriah. And he says, go get Uriah, bring him off the battlefield. I'm going to get him drunk. Surely he will be with his wife. He will lie with his wife. Everybody will assume this is their child. Problem solved. See, there was no Jerry Springer or Maury Povich to do a DNA test then. You've seen those episodes. You know, 99% certain this is your baby. There was none of that. So he concocts his plan. But he did not plan on the just how much of a man of integrity that Uriah would be. Because Uriah comes in, he says, wait a minute, my men are out fighting, I can't do that. I can't come in and enjoy a relationship with my wife while my men are fighting. And he didn't do it. So David concocts another plan. He says, okay, I'm going to send Uriah, I'm going to send him out into the hottest of the battlefield, and I'm going to get him killed. And he did. And so he thought, well, my problem is now solved. Everybody's going to assume that when Uriah came in, he spent time with his wife, that's their baby, I have nothing to worry about. But he didn't plan on a prophet by the name of Nathan who would come to him. And I won't go over it all, but Nathan kind of tells a story that highlights what David has done. But he uses a different set of circumstances. And he looks at David and he says, David, what do you think should happen to the man who's done this thing? And David said, that man should be killed for what he's done. And Nathan looks at David and he said, you are the man. And David repented. See, what was different? David repented and that's where Psalm 51 comes from. And that's how we see Bathsheba. That's how I see Bathsheba. We don't see Bathsheba as the one who would go on to be the mother of Solomon, the greatest king that Israel has ever known. That's how we should know Bathsheba. And if you're here this morning and maybe, maybe there was a bad start in your life, 
Maybe we, we live in a world today, I wish that, that everything was how God designed it. I wish it was always the man and the woman, the high school sweethearts. They got married, they had kids, and lived happily ever after. But in our broken world today, we have blended families, we have broken families, and then remarried families, we have single mothers, and it doesn't matter how those things start. God can redeem those things. He can redeem those things. And when someone, we, as particularly as the church, we, we're guilty if we're not careful of being part of what we tell the world they should not do, and that is to always go back and call that person what they used to be. The Bible says that when you come to the Lord, all things have passed away. All things have, old things have passed away. All things have become new. We shouldn't call people what they were called by beforehand. Tammy gave me, we were talking about this at the New Beginnings class yesterday, and Tammy gave us a, a great personal example of that. She had a friend in high school, a beautiful girl, and after she got out of high school, she became a stripper in Myrtle Beach. And Tammy bumped into her several years later. This girl had surrendered herself to Christ. She had a great life, still a beautiful lady. And when she was talking to someone else about how she had seen her, she said, you know she was a stripper, right? She was. She, maybe she was the, the son of God, God of the Most High God. Don't call her a stripper anymore. He calls her a daughter of the king. And what happens is we go right back to that if we're not careful. We're not careful. And that's what we do with Bathsheba. We don't call her the mother of the king. Not only was she his mother, she was influential in seeing that he would become the king. There was another Solomon had a half-brother named Adonijah. And Adonijah wanted to be the king of Israel. And he declared himself the king. He threw himself a party. He got the military together. I'm going to be the next king, he said. And Bathsheba went to David, along with Nathan the prophet, who had called out David, and said, you need to make this thing right, because the, the former king pronounced the new king. And they went to him, and he pronounced, and he said, Solomon will be king. And in that, in all of that, that would be the ancestry of the Messiah. She is one of five women mentioned in the ancestry of Jesus. Now, she's not mentioned by name, and there may be reasons for that, but she's called the, the uh, wife of Uriah. But she's mentioned in the ancestry of Jesus. Therefore, she is mentioned in the lineage of the Messiah. She was an adulteress. It did start bad. Sometimes things start bad. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Thank God we come to him and he puts those things behind us. He throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. And so maybe you're here and you're a mother and things didn't start well. Maybe there's been all these things I've talked about. This morning, the Lord can redeem all of those things if you place them in his hands. Solomon knew this. Solomon honored his mother. You know, in Exodus 20 and 12 tells us this. He says, honor, this is one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Just a word to the children who may be here, honor your mother. And it doesn't matter whether or not you think she's worthy of it. The scriptures say, honor our mother and our father. It doesn't say honor them if they've been good. It doesn't say honor them if you think they're deserving of it. You honor that mother 
and you honor that father. No doubt Solomon would have known how his mother started. No doubt he would have known about the affair. No doubt he would have known there was a ch- the, the, the child that was a product of that affair ultimately died. He would have known all of these things. And he didn't go and say, Mom, you're not worthy of, of my respect. You're not worthy of my love. He honored her. He honored her. As a matter of fact, Adonijah, this one who wanted to be king, when he found out he was not going to be king, he came to Bathsheba and he said, can you go speak to Solomon for me? I have a request. And she said, yeah, I'll go talk to him for you. And in 1 Kings 2.19, this is what it says. It says, Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak with him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her. And sat on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So he sat, so she sat at his right hand. And in those times, sitting at the right hand of the king was a position of honor. It was a position of praise. So here this man is, he stands up, he knows the background, he knows how things started with his mom. But what does he do? He bows down before her. He brings a throne in. He sets her in a position of honor at his right hand. And she is called the king's mother. Probably because he would have known the instruction that that mother gave her. Maybe it did start bad. Does not mean that when you repent, you put your trust in Christ, that you can't then give godly instruction. You can. One of the greatest instructions we can often give our kids is to say, let me tell you how I got it wrong. Let me tell you what I wish maybe I had done different. And I think much of that is the Proverbs. In Proverbs 1 8 and 9, this is Solomon writing. He says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And then in Proverbs 6 20 through 22, Solomon says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. No doubt that was Solomon writing those words, remembering the instructions of his mother, Bathsheba. I want to close with this, and I've got, clearly I've never been a mother. I don't know one one thing about motherhood. But we've got three here who do in different generations who are going to come up momentarily and Give us a little advice. Maybe give some of the mothers here some advice from maybe where they are and from their generation. But Proverbs 31 is one of the most quoted Proverbs when it comes to women and motherhood. And there's some debate among scholars as to who wrote this. Some believe that it was not Bathsheba. Many believe that it was. Because it's titled, The Words of King Lemuel's Mother. Many believe that King Lemuel was a pet name, a nickname. How many of your moms have a pet name or a nickname for your children? Many believe that that was a pet name or a nickname for King Solomon. And she begins to give Solomon some advice about what type of woman he should seek, what type of woman he should look for. Here he is. He's going to be the king of Israel. Yes, I started wrong, Solomon, but I want to give you some advice maybe about the woman, the type of woman you should think about being your life partner. And I won't read the whole psalm. But in Psalm 31, 27 through 31, this is what it says. This is what she says about that woman. It says, she watches over the ways of her household. 
and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And what I'll say to every mother here, whether you started well or whether you didn't start well, hear the advice of this lady that a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. I'm going to ask Sister Christy Britt, my wife Tammy, and Sister Carol, if they would, to come to the, come to the platform. So I ask for each one of these ladies to, to give whatever God put on their heart. We see three generations of mothers. It's going to start out with Sister Christy. If you're here at the church much, man, you know she's into battle. She's got kids running everywhere. She's trying to work, raise kids. I've been there. Some of you have been there. And we have some families in our church that are like that. So I asked Sister Christy to give a little advice and some, some comments to mothers. And then my wife, Tammy, we're enjoying that kind of empty nest uh, phase where we're just getting to grandkids. And she's got something to say. And, of course, Sister Carol has got into the great-grandkid uh, era and has much wisdom to share to mothers. So I've asked each one of them to come and talk to you this morning. Well... If you cannot tell by my unwashed hair, my dark circles, and my wrinkled dress, I am the mom of littles. <laughs> uh, my name is Christy. For those of you who don't know, I have two little boys who are three and two, and we have a little girl on the way. Uh, we are very excited about that. I have no idea what to do with a little girl, but we're going to try. And they call my stage, quote, being in the trenches. And I know that there are a couple other moms that are in this room who are in the trenches. And let me tell you, this morning at 2 a.m. felt like the trenches. <laughs> it's changing diapers. It's taking them here and there. It's washing dishes. It's making chicken nuggets after chicken nuggets, worrying that they're not getting enough vegetables. It is finding clothes, buying clothes, laundering clothes, it's the mommy one more thing at bedtime. It's the prayers at 3 a.m. for her house to fall asleep. It's the prayers for the first day of kindergarten. Um, and it is the prayers for them to fall so deeply in love with Jesus that they'll finally start acting right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is so that God will convict their hearts so that we'll be able to spend eternity with them. Our goal as parents is to train up our children in the ways that they should go, knowing that they will then not depart from it. It is to disciple them. It is to teach them theology and the tenets of our faith, knowing that one day they will have to make a decision to follow him for themselves. Because you see, moms of littles, we're raising future Daniels who resolve to stand firm in God's truth. We're raising future Esthers who are bold and courageous in speaking up for others. We're raising future Davids, men after God's own heart, who are faithful to their calling, even in their waiting. We're raising future Deborahs who listen to God and obey his commands 
We need Ruths, we need Priscilla's, we need Aquila's, we need Paul's, we need Timothy's. And for that, we need strong and courageous and grounded parents, moms and dads, to raise their children and to train them to have a biblical worldview, to train them how to think so that they will one day be able to stand firm in their own faith, not their parents' faith. So with that, I've got a couple practical things that I just want to tell you as a mom of littles that we are trying to do in our household. These are not things that are from me. These are things that I have gained through the wisdom of some of the other mothers at this church um, and from, from my own mom. Number one, teach your children how to be competent thinkers. It's our jobs to train up our children in the ways of the Lord, yes, but rest easy and assured that it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. That's not our job. Our job is to teach them the truth, to teach them the why, the why do we believe this, and do I believe that it's true to make their faith their own. So when we teach them to think, we can then teach them the truth. Rest in the fact that it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Number two, talk about God all the time. When you wake up, when you lie down, teach them scripture so that when they encounter interesting things in the world, which we know that they will, they will have that armor of God to be able to share the truth in the word of scripture. Last night we were reading, uh, and James loves to read animal encyclopedias, and we flip to the page of the piranha, and he wants to read about the piranha. And, I mean, y'all, this was not a spiritual conversation at all whatsoever. <laughs> How many of you know, though, it turned spiritual real quick? Uh, and we were reading about these piranhas, and there was apparently a boat full of 300 people that fell um, into the ocean from a capsized boat, and piranhas came and swarmed and ate them. I know, not really great for a Sunday morning right after a really good breakfast. But <laughs> James's comment after that is, and then they went to heaven? And you know what that leads us to? A conversation about the gospel. And our children hear about the gospel all the time because we've got to teach them the truth. Number three, and I've got two more, stay in the word. Uh, it is amazing the different kind of mom that I am when I am listening to a Christian podcast, when I am staying in the word on a daily basis. Uh, it, trust me, it is very different, <laughs> um, the, the kind of mom that I am. So stay firm in that truth. Not only that, but, but gird up yourself, right, to be able to share the truth with your kids. They are going to come to you with questions you don't know. And sometimes you can just nudge your husband and say, okay, it's your turn. <laughs> but sometimes it's that let's figure it out together, right? Stay in the word and stay connected to God. And then just a bonus one, cleaning. I, I know that's a weird thing to talk about from the pulpit, but it is the mundane Right? It's, it's, it's easy to get up here and just say, like, moms are great, yes. Um, but you don't feel great when you're sitting there scraping food off of a plate or folding clothes or <laughs> treating stains or changing yet another diaper. But when you are doing these things, and this is something that God's really helped me to understand, when you are doing those things, when you're cleaning, when you're putting order back to your home, you are doing the work of the Lord. When you think about creation, God created the world in an orderly fashion. And now you get to put order back to the creation of your own 
home. That was just a bonus. So with that, I hope that that was helpful. I'm going to close my book that's got scribbles on my own notes from my own children. Tammy, I think you're up. Well, I'm not even sure that we need to go on. That was, that was amazing. Um, I've got more practical things. Um, no matter what society tells us today, there is a difference between men and women, and there is a difference between mothers and fathers. And where fathers are kind of like, walk it off, walk it off, mothers are there to say, come let me hold you. So um, if you have children under 20, or maybe even 22, don't be their friend. They don't need a friend. They need a mother. Um, you'll have time to be their friend. When they can drive, always make them come in to where you are when they get home. If you don't know the reason for that, see me after church. Pray over them while they are sleeping because they're not going to want you to pray over them as a teenager with the eye rolling. But they never know that you're praying when they're sleeping. Pray for their spouse. Even if they're seven years old, God has somebody in mind for them. So pray for that spouse. Pray that they don't get sidetracked. Um, go to bat for them. Larry talked about being a mama bear. There's nothing wrong about being a mama bear. Now, there's been some times that I'm very thankful that I didn't have to see the person I was about to bring mama bear out of for about 24 hours. So that was the Lord protecting me and everybody else. Once they're 20 or older, be their friend. You know, I think at that time, they do know that, that you do know stuff. You know, mom's not stupid. Um, don't be overbearing. I'm telling you guys, I grew up with a mom that was pretty overbearing, so I try my best not to do that now that they're 20 or over. Feed them and they will come. You want your kids to visit you? Feed them. Hey, I got, I got supper this week. Don't drop by unannounced. And don't be in the driveway and say, hey, I'm announcing that I'm here. Give them some time. Say, hey, if you guys are going to be home tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be in your area. Love their spouse. Once they grow up and once they get married, it's not all about you anymore. So try to take hold of that before that happens. So love their spouse, pray for their spouse, and then continue to pray for them. And now, now for children, I'm actually going to include the children, and it doesn't matter what age you are. You can be six, you can be 60. Hug your mom. Hug your mom as you grow. I know sometimes, especially teenagers, they don't want to hug their mom. But your mom longs to, longs to feel those long, lanky arms, smelly bodies, um, so just hug her. Just, just, you know, take one for the team and hug her. Go see her, even if you don't want to, even if you think you're busy. Time is so short, and there will be one day that you do not have her to even have that opportunity. Um, if you did not have such a great relationship with your mom, forgive her. You don't even have to tell her that you've forgiven her. Just forgive her. And forgiving is more for you than it is for her. And then lastly, include your stepmom. Stepmoms have a, a tough time. You know, they don't feel like they can discipline um, like they would their own children. Uh, sometimes it can be a strained relationship. 
but it will build a wonderful relationship if you have a stepmom. And today you, you text her or you call her and say, you know what? I probably didn't tell you this enough, or maybe I didn't tell you this at all, but thank you for always trying to love me, even if I was not that lovable. Um, it will build the, a good relationship. And then if there's anybody that lost their mom young and you had a, a mother figure in your life and they're still living, reach out to them today too. Well, I have two points to make on this Mother's Day of 2023. My first point will be that you have been honored to be given the role of a mother. No degree, no education, no job, no success, nothing is as honorable as motherhood. Second one is when, you, when your role of a mother is complete, release them back to their creator to finish the work. There's a verse in Luke 129 which says, speaking to Mary, about the fact that she's been chosen to give birth to the Messiah, the verse says this, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And I would like to suggest to you this morning that if you've been given the privilege of motherhood, you have a high honor. You've been given a very high honor. You're highly favored and chosen to give birth to, the one, to one of God's creation. That child may not be the Messiah, but according to Psalms 139, they are wonderfully and fearfully made. To be fearfully and wonderfully made includes every person from the womb to the tomb as human beings who bears the image of God. Each of us began with God, was uniquely designed by God, is made in his image, and is assigned as mothers to nurture. From the instant of conception to the moment of physical connection through every milestone of childhood and beyond, a mother is a mother and her baby is her baby forever. The bond is surely magical, but is also much more than a heartfelt eternal link. It is both beneficial and necessary, and it runs much deeper than most of us think. Your time as a mother from birth to is to do your best to love, nurture, direct, and develop the passion and purpose given by your creator. We try to make them ours, but let them be themselves. I was asked to speak as an older mother, and the best advice I can give you is this. At the time your child chooses to do adulting on their own, I highly recommend that you release them. They will make mistakes, they will fail, but put them in God's hands and give God the opportunity to take their mistakes and their failures and mature the child. Release them. Releasing them in this crazy world is one of the hardest things you'll ever do as a mother. Much harder than changing diapers, sleepless nights, taxi service to all the social events. But if you do not release them, rebellion sets in and the process of maturity will fall way short. Remember, 
the prodigal son of Luke 15, when he rebelled, he took his life's inheritance. He went off into a far country, but the father never chased him. The father just kept looking for him to come home. And when he did come home, what a celebration. He threw a party, put a ring on his finger, and kissed him. What an example of release. Let me remind you to love, nurture, direct, and develop the gift God has given you and then release them into God's hands to finish the work. Whether we find letting go difficult or easy, we do so by recognizing that our children are in God's loving and able hands. When you find yourself struggling with letting go, take solace in what God's word says about himself. Seek him in prayer and then rest in his faithfulness. I will say in 1969 when I became a mother, it was the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. Felicia Ann Westbrook and Neil Vance Westbrook, I was highly favored by the creator to be chosen to be your mom. I thank God for the unique individuals that God created and allowed me to partner with him to produce two unique persons. You are both definitely wonderful. To all the mothers of Bethel, God bless you and keep you. May he guide your every step as you do motherhood. And let me remind you to love, nurture, direct, and develop the child that God has given you. Before Larry comes back up, I'm going to read you a poem that I, I found years ago when I saved it. Um, Once upon a time, there was a baby ready to be born. So one day, the child asked God, They tell me you're sending me to earth tomorrow, but how am I going to live there, being so small and helpless? God said, Among the many angels, I chose one especially for you. She will be waiting for you, and she will take care of you. The child said, But tell me, here in heaven... I don't do anything else but sing and smile. That's enough for me to be happy. Your angel will sing for you and will also smile for you every day. And you will feel your angel's love and be happy. And how am I going to be able to understand when people talk with me if I don't even know the language that men talk? Your angel will tell you the most beautiful and sweet words that you will ever hear. And with much patience and care, your angel will teach you how to speak. And what am I going to do when I want to talk to you? Your angel will place your hands together and will teach you how to pray. I've heard that there are men on earth, bad men on earth, who will protect me. Your angel will defend you, even if it means risking her own life. But I will always be sad because I will not see you anymore. Your angel will always talk about me and will teach you the way for you to come back to me, even though I will always be next to you. At that moment, there was much peace in heaven, but voices from earth could already be heard, and the little child in a hurried voice asked softly, Oh God, if I'm about to leave now, please tell me my angel's name. God said, Your angel's name is of no importance, for you will simply call her Mommy.
So this is how I want, I want everyone, if you would, to stand. Um, for those of you who are regular tenders, you know we, we finish our service around the altar. And there's no doubt that one thing that's under attack in our culture today is our families. I think we all know that. Everybody's looking for a solution to the problems, the violence, the racism, whatever is going on in our culture. And it boils down to Satan is attacking the institution of which God created to carry this gospel and to hand it down through generation. So how I want to close our service this morning is I'm going to ask every mother, if you would, to come and stand down here to the altar. I've, I've asked them to go get the keys, uh, children out of the nursery. If you'll come and stand. If your husband is with you, if he'll come stand with you. If your children are with you, I want you to stand next to your mom. Uh, if your children are not, that's fine. Have the husband. and ch- So I just want the families to come down and stand together, families together. And that Matt, brother Matt, you, your team will too. Oh, Tammy's going to have some music playing through the uh, thing. So I want our praise and worship team to be able to do this as well. And they bless us so often. Uh, they can't do these things because they're, they're leading us in worship. So if you'll just stand next to your family. still have some folks coming down. Good looking group of people here. I hope y'all listen to all that advice from the mother. I can't give that kind of advice. Just wait till Father's Day, right Denny? (laughs) We'll tell you your father's how to do it. So what I want to do, they're going to start the music here in just a minute. And we're going we're gonna to pray. And I just want, I also want moms and dads and children, you guys pray together. Uh, just pray for your family. I'm going to pray over each of you that God will protect you, that God will bless your families, that God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These families that I look at are, are God's design. This is God's design. And I just want, and I know many of you are, and Sister Christie's given some great advice to you with younger kids and Tammy to the older kids. But uh, it's our desire that God protect each of your families and, and, and that you protect and, and raise those children up in, in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our mothers. God, and I thank you for the families that you created. and. Lord, some of us standing here this morning and our our moms are not with us. They've gone on. But I know, Lord, that one day my mom knew you. She taught me about you. As I looked at a picture of her this morning, I know that I'll see her again because of the cross, because of the, the resurrection. And I thank you for her, how she gently told me about you and loved us, our family, and loved my dad and stayed home and made sure we had food to eat and made sure we were clean and got us out to school and all the things that go unrecognized that so many standing right here before me do. And Lord, I just want to pray your blessings over every family that's here. This song says, I speak Jesus. Lord, we speak Jesus over family. every family that's here. May the power of the Holy Spirit rest over every home here. God, we ask, Lord, we ask that you guard the hearts and the minds of these young people. 
God, that you bless mom today and every day. I thank you for the dads, God, who have stepped up to guard and be the men of their families. And there's many here, Lord, that maybe started wrong, but they'll finish well. Because we know, God, that you redeem all things. God, that you give beauty for ashes. So maybe there's some here today and maybe there's some broken relationships because things didn't start well. God, I pray that you mend those relationships. I pray there'll be forgiveness, as Tammy said. Because forgiveness releases us. And you've forgiven all of us. And when your disciples said, how many times should we forgive? You said, they asked seven times? You said 70 times seven. You didn't mean 490, you mean infinitely. That we're to forgive. Because we've been forgiven. So we thank you for your presence that's been here. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that's been here, the music, the testimonies, the videos. But Lord, now we walk out of this sanctuary and we walk into a world in a lot of ways for our children and our families that will come against the very things that we believe in that we teach. And we don't come out, Lord, with a harshness or with an anger in our spirit, but we do come out with the truth of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit. And we say today, we commit today that as families of the Church of Bethel Christian Center, we will stand boldly on your word. And what you say is right and what you say is wrong. And so I pray that for the rest of the day, these mothers will be immensely blessed this day and every day. Lord, and I pray if there's one here that stands here who doesn't know you, have never accepted you, have never repented of her sin and put her trust in you, whether it's her, whether it's a, whether it's a father, whether it's a child, that, that right now your Holy Spirit, Lord, is pulling at their heart. They won't leave this place until they surrender themselves to you. And know what it means, God, to come into your presence and to come into a saving knowledge of you. Lay a sin burden down and pick up the joy of the Lord. So, Lord, we speak Jesus. Over every family and every situation. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want to thank all of you for coming this morning. You're free to stay around the altar for a little bit and worship. You're free to stay around the altar a little bit and fellowship. But God bless you. I hope you have a great Mother's Day. If mom's with you, go out and love mom. Go hug mom. If she ain't here today, call her. There's going to come a day you won't see her, and you'll wish you could. I hope you guys have a great day. God bless you.